Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting as usual from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta, beautiful yet rainy Alpharetta today. Folks, if you're looking for a bank that's big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but they're small enough to address your needs in a personal way, that's a magic combination that I've found at Renaissance Bank and the clients that I work with, and I think you'll find it too. Here's one way to test it. Go to their their website, find one of their local offices near you and give them a call. Guess what happens? A live person answers the phone. (laughs) Imagine that. So if that's the kind of service preview you're looking for in a bank for your business, go to renaissancebank.com and check them out. And I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Dr. Beth Sarah Wright. Beth is an author, speaker, organizational consultant. She's an adjunct professor at Emory University. I get tired of all the things, <laughs> all, all listing all the things you do. You're accomplished, Beth. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Oh, thank you, John. It's, it's a pleasure to be here on this wonderful rainy morning. It is wonderful morning, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you. Let's give everyone an introduction to your work. How are you serving folks out there? Thank you so much. I am an author and a speaker, and most recently I completed, published a book called Dignity, Seven Strategies for Creating Authentic Community. Mm. This has really been a wonderful launching pad for new conversations with all sorts of different types of communities, just about their ways of going forward, strategic planning, strategic thinking, and primarily ways of closing the gap between who they say they are their aspirational, sort of aspirational ideas and their reality. Mm. And I believe that most companies, most organizations, there might just be a little bit of a gap there. I'm shocked to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) You you mean there's a gap between what we say we're doing and what we're really doing? Yes. Yes. Imagine that. Um, Yeah, I think in our honest moments, we know that to be true and you help with that. So dignity is a word. Yes. We all have our own connotations of what that might mean to us, but it's an acronym. Yes. So break it down for everyone. Break it down. Yeah. Yes, dignity is definitely twofold in this conversation. Yes, it is dignity, as in all of our communities, all of our businesses, they deal with people. Mm -hmm. And if we're not looking at human dignity, there's just, it just comes part and parcel with the work, but it is an acronym. Mm-hmm. It's a new way of seeing what I like to say is a new lens through which, a strategic lens through which to look at our organizations. We break it down. There's seven strategies. Each letter in the word dignity denotes another strategy. And these strategies are not linear in any way. It really is a lens. It's circular, just like our eyes. It's, how, it's a new way of seeing. It's a new way of seeing. So you don't start at D, and we'll get to what D means in a minute, yes. but you don't start at D and end at Y. No, you don't. You okay. can jump on this merry-go-round just about in any one of these strategies. Whatever Anyone, floats your boat. Whatever floats your boat. Perhaps what is most urgent and most pressing. 
And what these strategies do, they're most effective if all are being used. Mm. That's how this works, if all are being used. And as we break it down, you'll hear how each part is an integral part of strategic planning mm -hmm. and thinking and to get closer to who we really want to be and who mm. we set out to be. And it's, it's truly, you can just, you can start anywhere. What is most urgent right now in your community, in your company? And I just want to say another thing about this kind of closing the gap. Closing the gap is truly being able to surmount some adaptive challenges that we are faced with in our communities. Let's define adaptive challenges for those that don't know what that term means. It's a great question. Adaptive challenges are the types of challenges that require a new way of being, new behaviors, new capacities. They are often the types of challenges that you can't solve immediately. It takes time. A good indicator that you are moving and making a difference on your adaptive challenge is that you are making progress. Mm -hmm. You are learning. This is versus technical challenges. Technical challenges, all you need really is an expert to come in, fix something, and it's immediate, and it's done. There's no real learning that takes place. But it's an easy fix. Adaptive challenges are the ones that are most difficult for our communities. And what also makes it really difficult, which is also why the word dignity is important, mm -hmm. is that it really, these challenges tend to reside in our bellies. Oh. Does that make, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> Loyalties, belief systems, it, ways of being status quo, what's uh, comfortable. Yeah. what you're familiar with. So when you start to move, it feels uncomfortable. Right. And it feels out of place. Yet you're making progress, so you have to learn new capacities. Mm. That's really hard. Mm. Adaptive challenges are hard. It's hard work. requires some learning. So this is a, a, a framework yes. in, in which to address those adaptive challenges. And we're not talking about just the, the speed of change in the world, but, but just in, we, we've had big shifts in the way people think in the trust of just, for example, the trust that people have in organizations, which affects our business community as well, and nonprofits, a wide variety of our society. It's not just, unfortunately, it's a cancer yes. right now. So that's just one example I could point to in terms of what you're talking about, right? That's right. That's right. But you know what, John? I think change, any type of change, is going to need require some capacity building. Mm -hmm. Change is never easy, is it? That's right. It's never That's right. easy. And it's going to need some capacity changing, capacity building. If we can increase capacity, make progress, we can change outcomes. Let's let's get into the details of of the acronym. Yes. For the just for this show right now, I'm not even going to go in order. Okay, I'm going to start in all different ways. Okay, so we've so, got to pay attention. Yeah, we've got to pay attention. <laughs> we don't know where we're going to jump on this merry-go-round. I love it because I want to start with why the why. Okay, which is yield. Mm. So you want to ask yourself, what are my results? What are measurable ways that I can hold myself accountable to the change that I want to 
intervene with. These sorts of um, interventions, how do we measure them? See, I was a trained sociologist. I did my undergrad and my PhD in ethnography and in sociology and anthropology. Mm-hmm. There has got to be data involved in all of this. And if we don't ground the work in data, then we're not really measuring change. Mm. I want us to start with why. Why is the yield and it's the results. What do you want? What do you want? What is it that you're trying to address here? What is it that you want to see at the end of this? Another, the second I, there are two I's in dignity. Are we, yes. are we going there? Yep. That second I is integrity. Mm. And the question is simple. Are we doing what we say we're doing? It is, it's a question of accountability. How are we holding ourselves accountable as a business? How are we holding our employees accountable? Mm-hmm. How are we holding ourselves accountable to the mission that we have set out for ourselves as a, an organization. I'll go back to this first I, identity. Mm. Identity is core because this is the underlying thrust of the purpose of our organization. Who are we? What are we about? Why do we exist? What is the work that we're doing? That's the sorts of questions around identity. And we might be able to do an even deeper dive. It is looking at our history from whence we were founded. Mm -hmm. What was our founding DNA? Why were we founded? Mm. What What are we about? And we can use that founding DNA both as a way of going forward in new ways, or maybe we might need to change that and nuance that because of the new environment in which we are right now. Hmm. But identity is core. There's a sort of a sub-level in identity too, and that identity is about who we are as individuals and what we bring to the work itself. What's our relationship to that particular organization? Are we in line with the mission? Hmm. Are we in line with the purpose? Hmm. Do we have some questions about that? And if we do, it's time to have some new conversations. G, that brings us to G, I think. G is good growth. We're talking about capacity building. Whether or not <clears throat> there is growth in who we are, yes, growth in our in our organization and our fulfilling, creating, living into our uh, mission. But there's maybe some growth in terms of actual numbers, measurement, you remember, data? Yeah. So I don't know if we want to grow in income. Do we want to grow? What? How do we want to grow? Mm-hmm. But whenever there's growth, John, there's going to be loss. Mm. And how do we cater to the loss that we might see? Let's stop there and and dive into that. Because in the business world, we don't necessarily want to necessarily admit that, right? (laughs) (laughs) We think growth is good. Yes. And we don't and we see growth and loss as two different concepts. They're they're it's either or. Either you're growing, you're not growing, you're losing. And what you're saying is even with growth, there it will be loss. Yes. So dive deeper in that into that. Let's just say we're taking growth in terms of a new intervention in your organization. Mm-hmm. Decided you want to go in a particular way. 
there are going to be some folks who are not quite on board with that. Mm. And those people are going to experience loss. They're not going to be on board with that. They're going to feel uncomfortable about that mm -hmm. and maybe not even believe in it. Don't think this is a good for our company. And if the if it's in line with your purpose and it's closing that gap, some people are not going to be on board and they're going to experience loss. But it doesn't mean that they're expendable. It means that we have to cater to that loss as well. We have to acknowledge it, respect it, be able to talk about it, be able to hold it and value it, and to say, we're going in this direction, and why. Yeah, I like that. And, and it, it also occurs to me, this applies to customers yes. as well. The customers that brought us to this point are no longer our ideal customers, let's say, because our organization has changed, it's grown, it's morphed in a different direction, and we have to acknowledge that loss among that constituency as well. That's right. There's going to be some disappointment. Mm -hmm. And how do you cater to that? Right. Respect it. Mm -hmm. How do we cater to that? Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. It's how do we, how are we able to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations? Mm -hmm. Kind of language do we use mm -hmm. to cater to that? It's not easy. Mm-hmm. And no one ever said that this kind of dignity work, by the way, is easy. That this dignity work is hard work. I'm seeing that already, and we haven't even spelled out dignity yet. Nope. <laughs> so we've got yield, identity, growth, integrity. And now I want to say about transparency. Okay. So transparency is just that. It is being transparent, telling our stories. So, for example, you just brought up uh, customers, mm -hmm. and the customers might change. How do we tell that story to those customers? How do we tell the story? How are we transparent about the new ways and directions that we're going? And why? And it, there is still something, though, however, strategic in our transparency. Mm -hmm. And I hope that doesn't sound duplicitous. It is just a matter of pacing. How do we to say what we're saying, when, and why? It is there's intentionality, there's strategy also with that. It's mm. not being duplicitous, it's just being strategic. I like that in a, a, a lot because what, you, I, what I think I hear is that you're saying that you've got to mentally and emotionally be ready to be transparent when it's the right time. That's right. <laughs> Is that a fair way to put it? Yes, sir. Yeah. And I think we over, we view transparency as this binary, either it's either the switch is either off or on. That's and, right. Yeah. And it's not that way. No. Yeah. I think there's always intentionality. This dignity lens, there's a lot of intentionality at the core of it. Mm -hmm. How you're being intentional and strategic about going forward. Right. And as you say, saying the things in the right time, mm -hmm. the right place. Like it. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's go to N. Okay. Nurture. So, yes, we have these interventions. We say, yes, we're going to go this way. But it can't just end there. We have to think about how we're going to nurture these interventions. 
what infrastructure do we need to have in place? Mm-hmm. So when we ask a large question about whatever it may be in human resources or how are you going to take better care of your employees or whatever it may be, what do you have in place to nurture those interventions? Mm-hmm. We can't just say it and leave it. Mm-hmm. We got to make be intentional about it mm-hmm. and make sure that what we have what we've put in place can help. Now the thing is sometimes we don't exactly know how best to do it. So what is important about this dignity lens is that we have to have an experimental framework, a mindset of being experimental. Mm. We run an experiment, informed experiment, data-driven experiment, mm-hmm. and we see how it happens, what happens. It may make some progress. It may not actually get to where we want to go, but then that's not failure because there's no failure in dignity work. Mm. It's just another opportunity to learn. Yeah, and it's these experiments are low risk. Yes. In fact, they're only high risk if you don't engage in them. <laughs> Is that a fair way to say it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I like that. Okay, okay. <laughs> They're low risk in that we have done the research, yeah. we've done the data, we're driving it. Using we're not just this is not just a knee jerk response. It's backed up with some sort with research with data. Mm-hmm. I like to under nurture. I talk about being imagineers. And I know Disney used that term, I think, for their folks over in Disney World and Disneyland. Mm-hmm. But I like to use it in that imagination is completely free for us. We can just be wildly imaginative in how we can cater to a particular issue. But we need to be engineers as well. Mm-hmm. We need to have that engineering mindset, which is how are we going to put this together in a way that makes sense, that's data-driven, that's research-based, mm-hmm. Not just a knee-jerk reaction, but how are we going to marry those two together? So become imagineers as well. It strikes me that when you are asking that of the members of your organization, whether you've got a business or a nonprofit folks, whatever your organization is, when you're asking all the members' constituencies of your organization to imagine, that's awfully empowering. Yes. Right. And it's, it can be a little disruptive. It can be maybe sometimes painful, but it's, it's liberating and it offers a whole lot of potential. Yes. You've just hit on something that I don't think I've said yet, that the dignity framework is written not just for those in authoritative positions of authority. Mm -hmm. This is a way of thinking that democratizes the work mm-hmm. that everyone can take up this kind of dignity work. Mm-hmm. Transparency is key. How we speak to one another and share those ideas is key. All of that. Yes. Where that person or persons in authoritative positions can help to guide that. But this is really empowering work for all of us, for all parts of our communities, all mm. parts of our organizations. Mm. And that brings me to the last one, D. D actually means diversity. And what I like about that word, when you actually look up the meaning of that word, Mm -hmm. it simply means differences. 
So if we're going to embolden and empower all of the constituencies in our organization, then you are emboldening, emboldening all different kinds of perspectives, different cognitive diversity, mm-hmm. all different ways of thinking and ways of looking at a particular issue from all sorts of different perspectives. You've got older people, younger people. You've got men, women. You've got people of all sorts of different cultural backgrounds. You've got ways in which to really, people who have been trained in different fields, mm-hmm. legal fields, legal minds, artistic minds. Yeah, You've got all these different minds. And wouldn't it be great to have them all around the table? Sometimes you might stop and ask yourself, wait a minute, who is around the table and who isn't? Mm. And then why aren't they around the table? Mm-hmm. Which voice do we need? Which voice is missing in this conversation? Yeah, this goes a lot deeper than what I think most business people anyway default to when they think of diversity, right? We're talking about, or you're talking about, I should say, left brain versus right brain. You're talking about the the technical, someone that leans technical versus someone that leans poet, right? That's really the, the, what you're talking about is what's the value of those perspectives that we have and then what's missing that would make us even richer. Yes, that's a wonderful way of saying it. I People ask oftentimes to talk about percentages of diversity. And in fact, every single room is going to be 100% diverse mm-hmm. because of the different stories and different backgrounds and different journeys that each person is bringing. However... What's different about that is how we affirm and value these points of diversity in our midst. So we need to hear and be aware of the different voices that may not be in midst in the, in the conversation. And that it, it strikes me that, as you say, this is not linear. All of these are essential aspects. All of these, what, seven ideas are all aspects of dignity, but that diversity and nurture seem awfully interrelated as you, as I hear you talk about this. Yes. I think in terms of the imagineering in the way, and yes, absolutely they are. And that's the thing though. You can't even have those two kinds of conversations without the why, Mm -hmm. which is how are you going to measure all of this change? Yes. You can't have it without the I, Mm -hmm. the first I, which is identity, which is, we're talking about one particular thing, which is the purpose of our who we are, what's our work is. Can't have that conversation. We can't have it without the T, which is transparency and right. how we tell the story. It's so interesting that they're all disparate, but they work most effectively when they're all activated. Yeah, wow. Dr. Beth Sarah Wright is with us, folks, and she is an author, speaker, organizational consultant, and talking with us about her dignity lens and she she's actually got a book yes yeah we've we, got <laughs> you've got you've got more than one right yes. <laughs> what do you mean I, a book god <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're gonna put uh links in the show notes folks yes. um let's talk about the practical side of this yes. right those that hear uh, this framework and think this has potential in my organization. So how do I plug it in? Mm-hmm. 
How do I activate it? John, I used to get that question all the time when I would pre- present at different conferences. I mm-hmm. used to how do we put this in action? Mm-hmm. So I decided to write a workbook. There you go. And that, what I love about this workbook and what I've been really surprised by in terms of ways in which organizations have been using it and implementing it is that I wrote it to be used in several ways. One, you can have me come in and I will facilitate conversations mm-hmm. over a period of time with you and work with you on a consultation. Two, I've written it with strategies for you to take up the work, mm. you to be a facilitator. And I've shown ways in which you can be a facilitator and use this book. So you don't necessarily need me. And what I like about that is it is in line with and authentic to the actual lens, which is this work has to come from you. This work has to come from your organization and the key stakeholders in your organization. This is work that needs to be taken up by your employees, your constituents. Mm. This is something that is not, I can't be an expert or anyone can come in and fix things. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. Adaptive challenges don't work that way. They, this comes from you. It comes from your work and it comes from your experiments and experimentation. And, and then when maybe that you doesn't, it doesn't quite work, you'll recognize that you made progress. Mm-hmm. You can learn from it mm-hmm. and go back to the drawing board and try again. Yeah, you're, what you're suggesting here is more than suggesting. I think what you're pulling us toward is that progress can be a, a source of learning even when progress looks like failure. Yes. Oh, I like that. I like the way you said that. (laughs) If I hang around smart people enough, I can sound smart myself. But there's no preordained outcome. No. And and that is an uncomfortable place for a lot of folks in business that think, I know where my organization is going. I know what my customer base is. I know the employees I've got. I know I've got certainty around a lot of aspects in my business. And I think what you're, seems like to me, what you're suggesting is this is a way to deal with the uncertainty we really don't want to maybe acknowledge That's right. sometimes. That's right. And we have to embrace the fact that we may get answers we don't want, or certainly we didn't forecast. That's right. That's right. And, but that's okay. Because mm. it's just a learning. Mm-hmm. You're just going to learn from it. Pivot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You build some new capacity and go again. So you have, this framework has already been explored, adopted, utilized in a variety of organizations. What, what's the feedback been so far? It's really been incredible to me to hear the different ways that these organizations have been using it. A lot of them have decided to go on it on their own. Some have asked me to come in, talk, do a launching pad, and have some sort of speaking engagement to introduce the tenants and then have them do the work and then come back at the end. Some have asked me to come and work alongside them throughout the process. What I'm finding most interesting is that people are really solving strategic challenges what they're trying to do is to intervene strategically. And that is the ideal outcome I would have hoped for Mm. using this lens. 
Yeah, and and you're not think a lot of well businesses, nonprofits, they think about a organizational, a strategy oriented consultant at the the points in time where there's some sort of dysfunction yes. going on. And that's not what I'm hearing here. Is is that it, it's certainly it could be um, for organizations that are have issues that need to be specific issues that need to be solved. But it's not just that at all. This lens fits really any organization that wants to, as you say, bridge that gap between who we are and who, what we say we are. Even if you just suspect there might be a, a, some light between those two things, that's right. this lens is appropriate. I think that's wonderfully said. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the ideal is to maximize who we are, to be the most efficient and effective business that we are. Beth, this has been great. Dr. Beth Sarah Wright, folks, organizational consultant, author, speaker, all of the above, adjunct professor. What great work you're doing. And it's been a delight to have you here and to celebrate that work and shine a light on it so that it can be further found. So let's get about that piece of it and tell folks how they can find you and connect with you. Yes, my website is bethsarahwright.com, no hyphen, so B-E-T-H-S-A-R-A-H-W-R-I-G-H-T, bethsarahwright.com. My business is actually called Thrive with Dignity, Mm. Thrive with Dignity, that's my company. So even if you look that up, it will bring you to my website, Thrive with Dignity, and that's the way, and I'm available to, for consultant, consulting opportunities as well as to be able to come and share these ideas with your community Mm. and just to introduce the tenants, the seven strategies. More than anything, what I hope for in each of us is to be able to be the best companies that we can be and to thrive always with dignity. Mm. Great words. Great words from Dr. Beth Sarah Wright, folks, author, speaker, organizational consultant. Beth, again, this has been fantastic. And I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot. I know I have. So thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me, John. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, folks, just a couple of quick things before we let you go. I've got a new book out myself. It's called The Generosity Mindset, A Journey to Business Success by Raising Your Confidence, Value, and Prices. So if you're a professional services provider and you've got issues in the areas of confidence and communicating your value and your pricing, this may be a book for you. Go to thegenerositymindset.com to learn more. You can find the book at all your major book retailers. And I want to give a big shout out and thanks to you, our listener. You, we are, this is, I think, show number 743 or something like that of North Fulton Business Radio. And we've only gotten this far because of you. Because you continue to support us in any number of ways, including sharing the show. If you've heard something here that makes you think, hey, I know somebody that needs to hear this message, please share the show or do that for any of our shows. You, you like us on social media and you, you continue to support us in that way. And that gives us lots of inspiration and lots of wind at our back. And we appreciate that. We appreciate your support of us, but what you're really doing is supporting our guest, and that's what it's all about. So that at Business Radio X, we continue to be the voice of business in the North Fulton region. Thank you. Thank you for your support. So for my guest, 
Dr. Beth Sarah. I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.